Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Hey everyone, Jordan with the Startup to Scale podcast here and today super excited to have on two guests, Erica and Alexa, who are the co-founders of Zippy Pantry. And we're going to be talking about functional foods, its role in the marketplace, the challenges of marketing it to consumers and everything in between. So Erica and Alexa, welcome. Thanks for having us. We're so excited to be here, Jordan. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. Really, really uh, looking forward to chatting today. Yeah, so one thing I want to talk with you about um, is this whole notion of functional foods and how it relates to not only the marketplace that you're building, but you know what consumers are looking for. Uh, so share just a quick story of what Zippy Pantry is and the focus around functional foods. Yeah, so Zippy really stems from our backgrounds in the beauty industry, and that's um, kind of the crux that really brought it all together. We're working at this holistic skincare company, um, co-leading the product team, and we were able to reformulate their tinctures, teas, and just getting exposure to those functional ingredients and how they were being used in a holistic sense. And so um, that really inspired Zippy Pantry and also Alexa's um, main branding agency. Yeah. So, um, you know, my, I have a branding studio is sort of the, the day job where Zippy sort of was born out of that and now kind of juggling both. Um, but we were working with some functional food clients and just noticed that there was a, you know, a gap in when it came, when it came to distribution and when it came to them being able to effectively market their products. And we felt like with our background in beauty, we were, you know, we were really seasoned in sort of marketing by benefit and, and addressing kind of like how to tailor communications around concerns, et cetera. So um, we wanted to create a place where they could all live together and where they could be effectively marketed through, um, through, you know, kind of key messaging strategies that didn't just focus on the word functional, but actually actually spoke about the specific benefits and allowed customers to shop by those benefits. So that begs the question, how do you define functional food? Yeah, so we define functional food as food that has more benefits than just nutrition. And so we decided to start um, with gut health, sleep, skin, stress, since we saw that those were the four areas where consumers were already the most concerned about. They were already looking for ingredients um, and looking for foods to fulfill those benefits, especially gut health with the rise of probiotics, um, really extending beyond just yogurt. And so um, we're just food that delivers that delivers a benefit that's beyond just basic nutrition. Right. And we worked with, um, we've sort of got a, a team of experts that we we work with, our, our committee that helped us define uh, functional food. And it's not necessarily food that is fortified per se, but just food that is um, is formulated to serve a specific benefit. So ingredients have been chosen to support that benefit or health goal. One thing I know that's really big in this space are, uh, you hear a lot of terms like adaptogens, um, there's functional mushrooms out here, and there seems to be this modern renaissance of some of these ingredients, but they're actually ingredients that have been used by for thousands of years by cultures around the world. So talk about some of the things that you identified or discovered through this process around kind of these functional ingredients. Yeah, so I'd say with these functional ingredients, um, they, the main thing is it's, it's really made us a lot more um, just curi- a lot more curious and just interested to 
to dive a bit deeper, I would say that my my new favorite mushroom throughout throughout this whole process is reishi um, because it's just it's great for everything from immunity to focus. Um, but I think it also marks this kind of return to a return to history, return to like health um, in a way that you know that people were feeling kind of disconnected. And I think the pandemic especially has made people want to be more concerned with their health and be more proactive about about it. Um, so that they're looking for and more curious about these kinds of herbs and, you know, these ingredients. Mm-hmm. And I think also, you know, in beauty, we were so used to, to making, um, and again, you know, not from a regulatory perspective, is this, you know, completely uh, 100% okay, but really forming, you know, marketing um, copy and forming a concept for a product around the ingredients. Um, and so we were really familiar, you know, from a topical standpoint, as well as once, you know, once we started getting more into the ingestible space, what, you know, ingredients could deliver on those benefits. So we, we sort of had experience developing these ingredient glossaries and we we knew what to look for from a you know from our initial standing point but we over time have you know really deepened that knowledge and um we we work directly with our founders to really understand you know well how much of that ingredient are you putting in here is it a dusting is it and and we've really tried to cultivate a an assortment as well you know of products as well as an assortment of founders who are really focused on ensuring that the, the products are, are crafted to um, actually deliver on those benefits, whether it's through the combination of the ingredients, whether it's the way that they have been, um, you know, the, exactly whether it's how they've been formulated or how they've been manufactured as well. So it's that close relationship with them too, that's kind of furthered that knowledge. Um, and, you know, to your point about, you know, these are ingredients that have been used forever. Well, yeah, that's true, but like that's because they work and and there's not, you know, innovation is uh, doesn't require a reinvention of the wheel. It's just sort of how we we reframe the conversation around these ingredients and make them more um, more palatable and more easily understandable for for the for the consumer. Yeah, I think it's so much more powerful that they've been used for for millennia because there's a strong exactly. history of them. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast, and a, a lot of the um, ingredients are actually the basis of modern medicine, but they've been mm-hmm. like ex- extracted and really refined and almost changed so that they don't feel natural, right? You get like little pills and they're all white, and you can't really tell what's in them. But the basis of the science is all based in um, herbal and traditional medicines. And so it's really kind of going back to to that unrefined form where you don't need it in a medicinal dose, but something that's still going to provide benefits. Absolutely. Right. And, and they focus a lot on, um, you know, a big part of it is focusing on prevention and really taking mm-hmm. a proactive approach to health um, instead of instead of a reactive approach once, you know, once you're already seeing the symptoms or you know, feeling the disease. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, when we've also worked with herbalists on this as well, and I think, you know, it is that kind of understanding of, okay, well, to treat these certain, you know, modern ailments, you know, they've been treated for years using the same thing. It's just, we don't call them that in the kind of pharmaceutical world. But if you actually look to your point where it's coming from, um, it's actually coming from, you know, an herb that we have in some of our products that are meant to kind of not necessarily treat, but be, um, again, be preventative for that, for that specific concern. I found that function, this idea of functional foods is really new and challenging for a lot of consumers. I experienced that firsthand with my brand T-Squares where we were using um, matcha, we were using ashwagandha and some other ingredients to really help promote focus and energy in our kind of bite-sized energy squares. 
And it was interesting because a lot of the effects are not immediate, right? There's mm-hmm. not a very visible, visible or visceral feeling. And so it creates this interesting dynamic with consumers where they don't like necessarily feel the effects. So they're not sure about the efficacy of it. And even when we uh, surveyed our consumers, um, half of them who liked the products that they had no idea if it gave them energy or not. They just loved the taste and the texture, which is really unique. And then the other half said they did like the energy kind of components. And so it created this really interesting dichotomy where we had a bunch of customers who just bought it for the taste and the functionality was not actually a concern for them. Um, Have you kind of found a similar uh, level of like education needed or consumer adoption or what's been your experience talking with your customers? Yeah, definitely. So I think that we we would say we've also experienced that as well. Mm-hmm. I think that since you since you launched T Squares, that the that consumer perception has caught up a little bit, and that gap's been closed a little bit just naturally. And we were finding that too in the beauty space, um, where beauty was just taking so many ingredient cues from food um, and benefit cues from food, and so it was really this um, this more connected conversation. And so with our with our customers, though, we've seen some of the same. Like we have. Because first and foremost, we really want products that that work and are efficacious, have those benefits, but we also are curating the selection by foods that taste good as well. And so having that taste, offering that great experience um, is also part of, you know, part of our recruitment strategy with the products. And so if you, you know, if you love this Nutella with, you know, with CBD in it, you're, you just love the taste of chocolate and hazelnut. Um, and then you're like, okay, great. This focus benefit or this calm benefit is, you know, is just a, is a plus to that. Exactly. You know, first and foremost, we realized taste is the most important thing. And we knew that as, as consumers, right. And um, especially, you know, in our, in our research, our own research of about various sort of food supplements, et cetera. Um, but I think, you know, so that became sort of table stakes, right? It had to taste good. Um, that's sort of the first filter that we look. I mean, obviously, we're looking for foods that that lead in their marketing with functionality. But the first thing we review, first thing we do is taste them, you know? And so um, so that's also something that our first round, you know, prior to our relaunch, a lot, we really talked about taste. And now we feel like um, for a lot of our existing users, they know that everything they get is gonna taste good. So now we can really play up this benefit story. And so we think about it as like food, like the way you would shop any food is, you know, you want it to be tasty. And so it's food with benefits. Um, And so it's that kind of like added like, okay, you could eat Nutella, which not saying that Nutella is, or you could eat like a a baseline, you know, healthier version of a a Nutella, um, or you could eat Nutella with adaptogens that's meant to sort of like give you that sense of calm. And that way it can replace potentially like your Nutella or I'm sorry, excuse me, your, your Nutella and your adaptogen supplement or something like that. Um, I think one of the other things that we saw in the supplement space is that people are just taking so many of these supplements and like your body isn't actually like meant to process all of those at once. And so if you're actually integrating these things in kind of small amounts over the course of your diet, um, over time, the results will be, you know, more potent. And we also see that with microdosing. So there's lots of kind of things that we, uh, that pe- that are reshaping the way people think about supplements and think about food functionality. And we think all of that is working in our, to our advantage. Um, but we also don't, we talk to you about functional foods and we talk to industry about functional foods, but when we talk to the consumer, we're like food, that's going to make your skin glow or food. That's going to like 
easier tension, easier stress. Like we really don't use, we try not to use the word functionality when we're marketing to the consumer because it sounds really technical. Um, and they just want to know what it's going to do. Right. And like really, really directly. And then like we've, we've seen even in just the events that we've done over the last couple of weeks that when we, we present it this way, it's like, here is a, here's a bar that's going to help you sleep better. People are like, yes, I, I yeah. want it. I get it. And we really hope, like, again, that was why we also focused on like only four core benefits to start. We're going to ease them into other ones that are, might be a little bit more niche, but um, you know, just to, to the brands that we see doing best in the functional space, like phasey period chocolate, you know, for, for for healthy hormones, like it's very easy and Dulcy gut healthy brownies. Like they have one benefit. They're super clear about it and they lead with that. And then they kind of have the science to back it up, but they're not sort of leading with this really like scientific sort of intimidating angle. Yeah. One thing I totally agree that I found that works most effective is having a product that on its own can stand up. Right. And then adds a benefit to it. And so I would say like for every brand that I advise is like lead with, well, have the, the, use a category that's commonly utilized for that customer already, right? A lot of customers might not switch to a new form factor that they've never had. If they don't eat protein bars regularly, like they're probably not going to start eating a protein bar. Um, but you, so you do that. And I also, and then add on, you know, stick with like the macros that are common in categories. Or if you are in the energy bar space, you know, you still have to talk about protein and fiber and, um, and low sugar and low carb and then add the benefits on top of that. I think you're totally right. And then one thing I love about um, a lot of these brands who are taking, well, I call them like in making an indulgence acceptable, right? Or like it would be it. So then I know there's a couple like gut health cookie companies and they're basically like, I'm going to give you an excuse to eat a brownie during your day. And instead of feeling bad about eating a brownie, you can feel good about eating a brownie. Yeah. Yeah. And we like to go back to the brownie example, we work with Dulcie quite a bit and they're, you know, Naj was a, a great friend and colleague and, um, you know, we've actually, you know, worked with them on their, on their coffee. Um, and just, you know, it's, it's not meant to be, it's food. It's meant to be a brownie. It's a brownie, but it's also a brownie that's not going to hurt your gut. It's going to be good for your gut. But like, we're not trying to like replace or change the way people are eating. We're just trying to give them an alternative that also provides a, an added benefit. And that could potentially either, um, you know, support a health goal of theirs or um, instead of, you know, relying on supplements could actually take the place of, of that down the line. So one thing I want to hit on as well are the, the regulations in this space around mm-hmm. claims, um, because the FDA is very specific on kind of some things that you can make claim wise, um, but it varies between foods that have whole nutrition plus some other stuff and then supplements. So talk about mm-hmm. how you've had to navigate that or help your, you know, the, the brands on the platform navigate that. Yeah. So we did have some, some experiences from a, a regulatory perspective um, coming from the beauty industry and working with a lot of coffee and claims in that sense. But then as we, as we were gearing up for, you know, for our relaunch and we're getting together this panel of experts, we did, we were working with, um, working with an FDA regulatory expert to help us navigate the claims. Um, and so just not wanting to, you know, not to overpromise that we're treating um, you know, or healing, you know, healing anything, but kind of, you know, towing, really kind of towing the line um, between making claims that are just kind of egregious and claims that still, 
that still speak to the history of the ingredients and and what they um, like what they're known what they're known to do what they're known to promote right and we've also talked about we were like we need the proof right like you know coming from Judy it's like where's the before and after like where is the um, where is the proof that this actually worked and what we realized and this is something that you know I I feel like was um, all of you know Erica's thinking was that you know we're the proof right like it's us, it's how we live our lives. And like, we're trying to like be more out there and talk about how these foods have actually just like really changed the way we we consume not only food, but consume supplements. And it isn't necessarily about solving a particular problem or addressing a, you know, any single concern. It's about the kind of the whole being um, and and the products that we curate, um, you know, we're, we're, not, um, we're not being, again, not really trying not to over promise, but um, we think that there's a consumer who's like not just after a quick fix, but is looking to kind of change the way they eat uh, because they have a specific concern and they don't want to be taking um, medicine or they don't want to be taking pills or they don't want to overhaul their diet. They just want to make sort of small changes it's along the way. I love that. So many cool things there. And so excited about what you're doing. I'd love for you to take a couple minutes just to talk about what's next and some of the innovative things that you're working on for the next year or two. Yeah, do you, I feel like yeah, sure. So, so I um I recently went down the Web three rabbit hole, and um it's been really interesting as a um a tool for building community. And so um you know we are a we we did a sort of small friends and family round, but primarily now we are a self funded entity, and you know competing um against some of these larger brands in our space, it's really difficult um, from an advertising perspective, but we never really wanted to just be kind of buying customers or buying eyeballs. We always wanted to have this authenticity around cultivating community. And when I sort of learned about what web, you know, web free tools were out there, whether it's, you know, doing an NFT launch or creating a decentralized autonomous organization, otherwise known as a DAO, I won't go too much into detail, but it just became clear to me that this is a new way of building community and tapping into really passionate audiences, which we have, you know, we have that with Zippy. We're not about reaching everyone. We're about reaching, you know, the people who really care about these, these things and, 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 and then really cultivating, cultivating that. it. Yep. Okay. Narrower and deeper. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Deepening these relationships and, um, not really having, you know, um, not it not being about quantity but quality and so what we what we're seeing is that web3 is a way for us to actually activate on that and so it's also another way for us to participate in different types of events to get out there into the world there's actually a lot of um, IRL activity that's happening as the result of sort of what's going on in web3 online and so it's um it's been a really exciting time and we're actually thinking about where we announced that we will you know launch a DAO and a lot of that you know, when we first launched Zippy, we wanted it to be a co-op and it was just sort of hard to um, to build that into our model. Um, and people were sort of like, but a co-op, yeah, like really where's, the, where's the profitability yeah. in that? And now, you know, we're thinking, we're rethinking that and a DAO could potentially be that. Right now it's not gonna like overtake Zippy Pantry, but it is going to be something that we explore. And also, a, you know, a, a tool for our brands too, because one of the things that we do is, um, we really help our brands um, when it comes to um, growing, growing their own business. And so a lot of them have come to us curious about how they could get into Web3. So 
that's something that we're working on, but really just like activating on this new, you know, updated branding and mission and all of that. I mean, it's, it's really um, for the first time we're actually following our original vision and executing on it. And so what's in store is just more events, more collaborations, more partnerships, um, more education. Um, you know, we're talking to doctors, we're talking to different experts, we're talking to chefs, and we're talking to um, just a, a lot of individuals who um, can collaborate with us to really bring this vision to, to more people and, and show them the way um, of functional foods. I'm super excited about that future and can't wait to follow your journey. Uh, Thank so you. thanks so much for being on today. I loved our conversation. I'll include in the show notes where people can learn more about Zippy Pantry, but um, thanks so much for being on. Awesome. Thanks Thank you so us. much, Jordan. We this had was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. And uh, yeah, looking forward to, to all that's to come.